Hello, good morning. It is 7.04 a.m. I'm in Hampshire in a little shepherd's hut in the countryside of England. And today I just really want to share with you my experience doing this 10-day silent meditation, also known as Vipassana, or I guess practicing the meditation technique Vipassana, because it has been so transformative, eye-opening, wonderful, lovely. I think I'll do a more thought-out and... uh, concise youtube video on it maybe in a month from now but this is going to be more just like a little storytelling and taking you along the journey chronologically if you've never been here hi my name is leah i have a youtube channel called leah's field notes this is just a casual little podcast where i just talk into my phone it's been like a year it's been a year since i last put up anything but i'm happy to be back missed you feel like i have lots to talk about because i feel like i've grown a lot as a person so to start with this vipassana silent meditation what is it exactly well Let me just take you back four years ago because that's kind of when I first heard about this. I was doing my study abroad exchange in Germany in Bauhaus, Weimar, tiny, super cute little town, 1010, recommend checking it out. And every Sunday they have a free yoga session. So it's one hour of yoga and then one hour of meditation started by one of the master's or PhD students from India because he just really believed that you know, yoga is for everyone. It shouldn't be something that's for the rich or privileged or, you know, it's not a part of an aesthetic lifestyle. It's just a practice that anyone can do. And after one of the meditation sessions, which was an hour long, and at that time, that was so hard for me to sit through. Like, even prior to doing this 10-day meditation retreat, I had no daily meditation practice or really meditation practice at all but anywho at this meditation part of the class afterwards one of the girls one of the was sharing her experience doing this 10-day silent meditation and she'd gone twice once in germany once in india so yes there are vipassana centers all around the world and the crazy thing is they're all donation based Like you literally can't even donate if you've never done the course before. They only give you like the bank transfer or um, you can also do it there at the very end of the class. So they don't even give a recommended amount. The principle is you go there for free from the donations of people who have gone before you. And if you enjoyed your experience and you have the ability or volition to, you can make a donation for the future students to come. So I thought that was just so, so sweet and inspiring. I'll tell you a bit more about later, but anywho, so this girl had done two. She mentioned one time she had just like an insane injury on her hip and through meditating she she like dissolved the pain basically and then second time I think it was or maybe the first a really cathartic time for her to release all these emotions tied to her dad I think they had maybe a very tumultuous relationship so yeah four years ago I heard about that and I was like wow that's really cool I'd love to do that one day but not now definitely not now so even for anyone who's listening and you're like this isn't something I want to do I think it's still really good to just have this in the back of your mind to know that you can come and do one of these sometime in the future if you feel the need to so fast forward 
I've graduated 2020. I've been doing YouTube for like two years-ish now. And um, I think in the past year, I've really had on and offs of feeling burnt out. My university just, my program has very toxic work dynamic I would say there's really not good work-life balance we're a commuter school so there isn't really like much of a campus life or like a uni town type of experience and yeah our teachers were pretty intense I mean I went to graphic design school but yeah they were just in taunts <laughs> like some people will cry in class from the critiques because literally every week you show what you've done and then yeah, so really putting everything out there. But yeah, I just created a very terrible work ethic, like working way too much and not prioritizing your mental health. And I think that really translated into YouTube because it's such a self-directed thing. It's really helpful in the beginning, but then yeah, there's just no way you can keep working at this maximum push that I'm sure we all feel in this capitalist society that wants us to keep hustling, making, doing, but rest is so important. And yeah, in April of this year, I decided that, hey, I want to try living nomadically. Uh, I'd lived for a year in Montreal after graduating with my partner at the time, Andrew. We decided to part ways, so I moved out back home last December, and I kind of just been spending winter at home. Honestly, really in a low state, kind of, I don't want to say depressed, but very emotionally not doing hot. And I was very irritable. I feel like I saw a bit of that even when I was with Andrew, just easily irritated or like anxiety would flare up very quickly. And with living at home as well, with living with family, my mom, my grandma, my stepdad, and yeah, that's an observation I didn't really like about myself because these are the people that are closest to me and, you know, when I'm stressed from a deadline or stressed because, you know, I haven't been letting myself have pure rest, then I find myself, you know, snappy at, snapping at people and not even... Honestly, I don't think my friends really see that part of me. Probably only if you lived with me and saw me in these really intense situations. And I just, yeah, it's like I don't... I don't want that for the people that I love the most. But anywho, so I was like, hey, I'm going to go for six months and just travel throughout Europe because I know I want to travel. I want to live, try and live nomadically. But I think after COVID, it's traveling feels felt very scary or felt a bit of anxiety tied around to it. So I was like, okay, Europe is a good place because I haven't really I've been there. It's familiar. I have friends so let's go there. Um, and originally, I thought I was going to spend all six months in the main part, mainland Europe, until I figured out literally a week before that the visa that Canadians have, it's like automatic Schengen visa, um, you can only see 90 days in all of Schengen Europe. And I thought it was 90 days in each country in Europe. So alas, I was like, okay, I better go to somewhere outside of the EU or Schengen, um, maybe in Croatia or the UK. And that's kind of when I thought of, oh, wait, Vipassana, like 
this 10-day silent meditation. Maybe going to the UK to doing that would be a really good idea since, you know, it's English speaking. Originally, I had no intention of visiting the UK because I was like, if I'm traveling, I don't want to go somewhere that's English speaking. Like, that just defeats the purpose of, you know, language, cultural immersion. But lo and behold, I'm here now having literally the best time ever. I'm gonna do a separate little podcast on that. I think I'll start doing weekly again. I feel more chatty and more myself these days. But yeah, so I signed up for it in April um, because the one in UK, the signups open really early and they get filled super quick as well. So definitely put a little timer on your phone if you decide to do that. Yeah, signed up in April, kind of just forgot about it. It was kind of in the back of my head. And then July rolled around and... I had signed up, put my name in for their rideshare board so you can get there by bus, train, or rideshare. A guy had contacted me, someone called Joe, had sent a message saying that they could pick me up. And for some reason, I just didn't feel inclined to reply. (laughs) I don't know why. And then about a week before, there was an email from someone called Durba and for some reason, I don't know, I just saw the name and I was like, wait, yeah, I want to go with this person. And I emailed back, arranged it, and that's kind of where the things began rolling. Literally two days before, I was staying with Dana, sweetest, loveliest human family, also was a viewer who reached out when I was looking for a place to stay, that is. And now we're just like literally, ugh, best of friends. She's like the love of my life. Just, ah, she's so wonderful. Anyways, more on that in another episode but yeah I two days before we like looked through the emails looked through the schedule and I was like holy shat like this is so intense I mean I knew it was gonna be really intense before but I looked at the timetable and I realized oh my gosh my morning wake-up bell every morning is at 4 a.m what like when I said I was in a kind of depressed like just low state back in the winter and also at the beginning of my time in Paris when I'm in a bad state of mind I my sleep schedule goes out the window like to the point where I'll sleep at 4 or 5 a.m so this was waking up at 4 a.m that's crazy that's crazy to me okay and then we would meditate for a total of 10 hours a day (laughs) I saw the timetable when I signed up I browsed through it very quickly so i did not add up the times but they're all broken up into little chunks there's like a breakfast break a lunch break and then a tea break in the afternoon so you only really have two full meals a day um and then like some fruit or tea in the evening which ended up being amazing but i'll i'll share more about that i'll elaborate about it later so yeah i packed up all my stuff and morning of got picked up by Dorba, who is this very chill, super chill, super calm, very kind um, guy from Nepal. I think he's 33. And then we just chatted on the car and made our rounds, picking up three other amazing women who were all so interesting. And I was like, this is so amazing that I'm really grateful that I did ride share because just the two and a half hours or more of driving basically you got to make friends 
before you showed up at this meditation retreat and everyone was so different like Durba is an accountant then we picked up Renata who's half Ukrainian half Russian she works in a nursery and then I later found out that she has her like Reiki master at like literally the end of our last days anyways she's super upbeat really fun the two are both Durba and Renata both Scorpios but it's like the introverted and extroverted Scorpio type anyways I love them both and then um we picked up Gemma who I think is in her late 30s she has the coolest job she's like I think it's called like a wet nurse or basically when people have a baby and then afterwards they have someone like a live-in nurse to take care of the kid but she does it for like high profile people and celebrities so she's like done it in Dubai she'll get flown on private jets last we talked she had an interview to work in LA for Mick Jagger's daughter who I'm pretty sure is a super famous model as well anyways just such an interesting job I never even knew that existed and then we picked up Cleo who is from France and she's a writer, a copywriter, also does ghostwriting, trying to set up her business between the UK and France. Anyways, just so, and all these people are just so loving, so sweet. We just really bonded in this like car ride over. And once you show up at the center, you kind of like check in. You can also talk, so you can still talk when you're there. I didn't really want to chat too much because I felt like I needed to ease myself into this state of silence. So yeah, for 10 days, to clarify, for 10 days, you don't talk, you can't, you don't write, no writing or reading, no devices, no electronics, no eye contact, no physical contact. Like you're really just simulating aloneness and no dopamine rushes no distractions honestly the no devices thing was what got me i saw no devices and i was like yes that's i need that i need that with doing youtube and feeling a pressure i always need to post on instagram like i was kind of feeling disillusioned with technology because i don't know when you work with like a manager or just when you feel like you need to do things at other people's pace, you are like, oh, there's an algorithm. You got to post how many times this day or that. And then uh, I just it just uh, I just really does not vibe with me. Like, I just need to do things at my own pace. It's like um, the perfect example who in what video or podcast I heard this it was like the Frank Ocean effect where it's like, how do you just produce and not care? Like he doesn't go on tours which is so rare for musicians because that's where they make, I think, most of their money is going on tour. And he's just so chill, drops an album whenever he wants. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh, how do you do that? Well, you just have to be not care about the money or like maximizing your income or just not care, like play into this uh, rat race, I guess, in a way that even creatives can feel. What was I even talking about? Anyways, um... <laughs> Oh yeah, that's why I just really did not want... I really want to distance myself from devices. Um, yeah, we arrived, signed in, and got assigned our rooms. And I had thought we were only going to have... Like, everyone was going to be in this room alone. But they actually divided it based off of age. So we were in one bigger cabin. There were nine beds... And they're all divided by curtains, so you all had like a mini room basically with a bed, a side table, a lamp, and like enough space to lay out like a mat for stretching. And we had our own little 
bathroom attached to this unit and we were the youngest and it was so cute because we realized at the end when we like got to talk and share our ages that they put the people at the youngest in the end of the room so the youngest girl was 19 um and then it went all the way up to 29 so I was kind of like near the middle to the end because I'm 25 and I just thought it was so sweet. I was like, oh, I feel like we're protecting our little young chickens at the end of the coop. Um, but anywho, didn't know anyone at the time. Renata actually shared my room with me. So I did know one person in my room and I just tried really hard to not make eye contact with her because I didn't, yeah, I, I was just like, I want to stick to this experience cl- as close as possible to their guidelines. And yeah, that night we had a little soup for dinner and then silence began honestly the silence wasn't even the hardest part for me i thought that was going to be the easiest part it was interesting i spoke to two women in their 50s before um the silence started one of them was a yoga teacher actually she looked very chill and she's telling me yeah the meditation part is easy for her since she's you know a yoga teacher it's the not talking not being able to connect with family for 10 days that was hard for her so i thought that was really interesting like everyone goes in with such a different mindset and then once you come out at the end and you talk to everyone, everyone has such a different experience. And I'll go over a bit of that later. Throughout the 10 days, they started us with, well, I thought we literally weren't talking to anyone, but you could talk to the course managers. They were around, available to you 24-7 to help or if you're feeling some kind of ways, if you have a breakdown, anything, you can go to them. And then there's a course teacher. Oh my gosh, and I forgot to mention that it's separated by gender. So the center is kind of like built in the symmetrical way and then half is for men, half is for women. And oh my goodness, it was so cute there. Like I think I came in with very low expectations. I thought we were gonna be in this very institutionalized place. Like it was gonna feel kind of cold, like really like, closed off but actually it was so freaking cute and it's in like the english countryside they have flowers there's lavenders all these different roses just all growing and the facilities are really well maintained super clean all cleaned by volunteers on like a daily basis which is so incredible I feel so grateful and then there's like a little tiny forested area at the end so you can actually go for walks like I don't know what I was thinking. I thought we were just like closed into like a big building the whole time. And then there's like one really big meditation hall, which is like the only time you see the men's side. So half of the meditation hall is for the men's side, half is for the women. And we enter on either sides of the door. I'm not sure how it would go if you were non-binary, but we did also have a trans woman who's living on our side as well and yeah they're very inclusive like anyone anyone can come no matter what your religion sect beliefs are um the method of vipassana meditation is actually started by Gautama Siddhartha who funny enough four years ago I also read the book Siddhartha by Herman Hesse for the first time but I never made this connection because it was kind of like his life story before he became Buddha and also i learned that buddha just means an enlightened person so i thought buddha was like a god or something like bless me because my dad's a tibetan buddhist he never like preaches or like tries to teach me about the religion which is something one thing that's really interesting about buddhism that's very different from christianity which is what i grew up around is like with christianity you're like taught to like 
share, spread the gospel or whatever. With Buddhism, it kind of just feels like, oh, like if people are inclined to ask, you can share, but you don't really need to preach it to anyone in a way, um, which I really like. But anywho, yeah, so this method was the meditation technique that Gautama Siddhartha, Siddhartha Gautama used to become enlightened and buddha just means enlightened one so like you could see jesus as a buddha like he's an enlightened one he's a very saintly person and gautama actually never like he taught this technique to people of all different religions this is from in india yeah he never really cared for like religion or sectorialism or different sects of buddhism so it's quite ironic that a whole religion was named after him buddhism but he had like no part in starting it and like no interest in stuff like that because yeah vipassana is just like this practice of meditation is basically just observing your breath and observing the sensations within your body because if you think about it anger anxiety lust desire they all start as like a biochemical reaction in our body and it's only when you start feeling this sensations that you're like oh i'm anxious or you feel these sensations you're like oh i'm depressed so he's really teaching you to go straight to the source and how to observe these sensations that we are really not connected to anymore so basically the 10 days of meditation started off bit by bit teaching us the method of vipassana and i went i mean i went to knowing nothing guys like i thought we were just gonna sit there and breathe i didn't know they're gonna teach us anything so that was such a that was like another bonus feature i was like this place is beautiful oh and we get to learn an actual method of meditation sick um and we they taught it to us in like a in a tiny bit by bit way kind of like when you i don't know when you watch like kung fu movies where they're like paint just paint the paint the fence or like sweep the floor like you start by something so basic and then in the first three days he adds another step and okay so it's taught in the evenings you do have one hour of a discourse like a lecture that plays um taught by goenka goenkaji who is originally burmanese um because this meditation technique taught by gautama siddhartha buddha however you want to call him yeah so it was taught maybe 2500 years ago and um it kind of got lost it got fizzled out while it was in india because people started adding all these new rules or taking steps away and like making buddhism into something that wasn't exactly to the source of what it was um but then it got preserved through these two teachers in burma and um, I think maybe 10, 20, no, maybe 30, like in the 80s, Kaji went to learn it. And then he started helping his teacher build schools to teach this meditation technique. So every night when you listen to this one hour discourse, it's actually a recording of him from like 1991. And it's actually in this really, I don't know, I love the colors and the quality of this like kind of vintage lecture film like it made it really amusing like nice comforting soft to watch and he's just such a funny man he's a very funny good-natured man that and you just uh it was just actually the favorite part of every night 
was from 8.15, wait, no, it was from 7 p.m. to 8.15 to doing this teacher's discourse, listening to him teach, and yeah, every night, or well, during the day, during the meditation parts, they usually start off a bit guided, it kind of depends on the chunk of time, what which one it is, so the, it's all broken up into chunks, so it's not too bad, you get to like walk and chill in between. And he would guide us through a technique during the daytime. And then in the evening, you get to watch his lectures, discourse. And it's so funny because every time he really touches upon the parts that you probably were really frustrated or struggled with during the day, like the wandering mind. Holy crap, my mind wandered so much in the beginning. Like, I don't think my mind was empty or like still for like five seconds. Like we could meditate for an hour and my mind was probably empty or like still for like maybe a total, collective total of like one minute, which is insane. Um, and you just realize how much stuff, so much crap is just in your mind. And on the fourth day, what they teach you is the full Vipassana technique, which is basically learning to observe the sensations in your body. I think my interpretation is qi, like your life, maybe your prana, I don't know, your life energy. And you're taught to basically observe it and kind of push it through your whole body from top to bottom and bottom to top. And which sounds really difficult, but because you've been working on these more techniques throughout the first three days that really train you to have a very heightened sense of awareness it's really crazy on the fourth day when I did it for the first time the tingles I felt through my body was insane I felt like I was like high or something you could just feel it rushing through your whole body and it was so intense when I came out of it I was sitting in like the dining hall staring out at the window and I kind of just started tearing up a little bit I was thinking of my mom and I was just thinking okay well basically to preface when you're doing vipassana it's basically the point is bringing your subconscious to your conscious level so like in our subconscious it's like buried layers of dirt in a way that's how I think about it and then while you're meditating and like letting this energy flow through your body you're witnessing the parts that are blocked the parts that are not responsive like the parts that you can't feel and then the parts that are free-flowing that you can feel this tingle going throughout i mean the sensation i think is mildly different for everyone but the point is to bring up all of your subconscious into your conscious and the more you do it the more you basically clear all of this buildup in your body because your memories and your traumas like they're they're physically like in your body and I think that's kind of like well known now with that book what is that book the trauma the body keeps score I think I was seeing it everywhere but I think that that was a book that really explains um scientifically how yeah your body remembers this trauma through like the study of post Vietnam war soldiers who had PTSD but anyway that's a whole different thing so you basically start observing while you're meditating all of these thoughts buried in your mind and some of these were like really random like it could have been like a celebrity that popped into my mind because I'd like watched so many interviews of them because I was just like really into their music for whatever reason oh my god I literally had like oh the most cursed thing movie recaps on YouTube don't watch them if you ever see them I like accidentally got into it but they're like 
basically retelling movies in 10 minutes <laughs> and you get to like see the movie through the screen i legit watched bridgerton season one and two through a youtube recap i know so cursed and i would have like movie timelines pop into my mind like movies i never watched in whole but like through this movie recap and i was like holy crap like i can't watch stuff like that anymore because you really realize it does stick in your mind and it is taking up brain real estate and i mean i only got so much of that so after like that's one big lesson was like really be conscious of what you consume i think i knew it before but then this is experiencing it i think this whole 10 weeks was so many principles we've heard before like this too will pass or whatever you can hear things you can read self-help books and you can listen to lectures and ted talks but at the end of the day those are like intellectualizing your lessons whereas these 10 days like we're experiencing them and that's i think the true way you learn is through your experience like 10 hours of the day we're experiencing through meditating and one hour we have this evening discourse where he kind of ties it together gives us some theories gives us some really fun stories as well um but the whole main 10 days is just experiencing and in a way i felt kind of like my own lab rat like i was in an incubated facility with you know fixed uh fixed factors or what is it called but anyways um you know and you just have to observe yourself like when emotions arise you can't go on your phone you can't go talk to someone you can't just like go on a run you know you can't do these things that usually on a surface level help us feel better you really have to just observe and like instead of standing in the storm like in this eye of the storm you learn to like step back kind of like sit on a hill and then watch the storm pass which was the most valuable thing but anyways back to the third fourth day experience because i knew some people cry from it and i was like oh my god i'm a crier like i'm very sensitive usually watching movies i'm like the first one or one of the first in the theater to cry um (laughs) and yeah, so I thought I was going to be crying a bunch. But this was really the only time that I cried was right after my first time learning and doing Vipassana. This was the most intense I felt the sensations going through my body. And I just thought of my mom. I think we had a conversation beforehand before I went that was quite emotional. And just in the past year, since I've been doing a lot more inner work, learning about, you know, shadow work and childhood traumas, so much of your insecurities tie into like your childhood experiences which then tie to your parents and then there's like oh my parents did this to me they traumatized me blah 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 like there's so many things I was like telling my mom and I think she just felt like she was a bad parent and maybe in a way I was subconsciously like creating resentment towards certain things that had happened um and then yeah after this meditation I just was sitting in the dining hall staring at the trees and it just hit me I was like oh my god my mom is an angel like she's like a guardian angel I think around 10 years ago she well she had she suffered really bad depression I think when I started high school and I was 13 so maybe 12 years ago and then about a year or two in she started this nonprofit organization really geared towards Chinese seniors in Burlington the suburb of Toronto that we live in it's a very white suburb I think it's a lot more diverse now it's getting slowly 
Um, but yeah, there's just so many Chinese seniors who've come to Canada because their families have immigrated here, but you know, they have no way of getting around. They don't speak English, really hard to connect, especially if they don't go to church, you know, if they're not religious, they don't go to Chinese church, then it's so hard for them to connect to people. And I think my mom just really wanted to, yeah, bring them together and make them feel less lonely at a time when she felt so much sadness and loneliness and throughout COVID, she's seen a lot of these people pass away. And one of them who had chosen to pass by euthanasia, when it's like self-induced, I don't know, do you take a pill or something? Because they were just in a lot of pain. I think they had cancer and they wanted to pass away, but they didn't want to tell their kids. And you have to have someone there to witness them. So they asked my mom, because she's so gotten so close with them. They have events every week, even through the pandemic, they've been doing classes online. And Oh, I was just thinking, I was like, wow, like my mom is creating this beautiful environment for these humans in their last stage of life. Like she really feels like a guardian angel walking this path with these seniors. And I was just like, that's so amazing. Like my mom is so amazing. And then I started thinking about all my experiences in childhood, like she raised me on her own and all these tiny little events in my childhood just like came flowing into my memory. Like when I was really little, we lived in Burnaby in Vancouver when we first came to Canada. She came on her own originally and just like parts of like mornings where she would like butter a toast and then like just pour a little layer of sugar over it and like bite off the crust into like a little shape and you're like oh this is a horse and then give it to me to eat and stuff like that or when I couldn't fall asleep at nights like she would stick out her arm and then I'd like go cuddle into her crevice like like a little spoon all these memories I was like wow my mom really like did her absolute best raising me and I just felt so much love for her and I really just like was kind of like watching these events as a movie and I was thinking about like I don't know I just saw myself as this like tiny human that just like enters into this world and I don't know like I won a lottery ticket in a way to have such a loving nurturing mother raise me from this tiny bean into like a full-size human being and I think just like I don't know like obviously I know that but for some reason this realization just hit me and I was like holy cow like hit me in a very visceral way like how do you like so much love time attention growing a small child and I think we have very different love languages as well so there's I think I didn't realize just like how much care that she'd given me (sighs) just I don't know I guess realizing in this intense way Like when people are like, oh, you don't realize, you won't realize how grateful you are for your parents until you have kids yourself one day, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, my cousin had a baby last year and just seeing the baby grow and how much joy and love the family gives to him. Oh my goodness. Sorry guys, I'm just getting really emotional. I told my mom about this like the day after I came back and we were just like both crying. (laughs) Um... But yeah, that was, I think, the biggest the biggest cry I've had. The only thing I really cried about. And there are people who cried a lot more <laughs> that I found out after. And I was thinking, like, honestly, it's probably because I cry a lot on a regular basis. <laughs> like, if I'm having a hard time, like, my body just kind of releases it through, sheds through tears. So 
I was like, oh, I guess I didn't really have much that I was holding in except for this experience of, you know, doing a lot of shadow work in May and realizing there's so many things I do because I felt like from a source that I was like, oh, I'm not enough. So I need to, you know, need to do well in school, need to be successful, need to be blah, 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 to be loved or to be, you know, worthy. Yeah, you just realize like, no, like existing is just enough. And that is so nice. But back to the meditation thing, they said that day two and day six are usually the hardest for people because they want to leave. And I mean, I really liked it there. Like it was peaceful. I mean, when I first went in, there were a lot of things in my mind, like really silly, silly thoughts that come up. Like I think I made an Instagram post like on my way there before I lost signal. I was like, oh, I'm going to this meditation retreat. I was like, the caption was like 10 days of, uh, what did I say? 10 days of contemplating my own existence. And then I, after I'd gone, you know, you lock away your phone into a little locker room. Everyone has a key. And then they lock that locker room until the last day. And then there's one part where I was just like thinking about, I was like, oh no, what if I said something wrong in my caption? Like, what if I wrote something that was like bad or that offended people? And then I got really self-conscious about it. And it was so silly because I was like, what? Like, why am I worrying about this? But that's one of those things that like subconsciously, I think as I've been doing more and more of YouTube, like you see negative comments and usually I'm like, I don't think too much about them, but I guess it makes you in a way a bit self-conscious, like subconsciously. Like I didn't really think about it that much until or realize that until this experience that I do in a way have a fear of like making people upset or offending people, even though you know, logically, intellectually, I know that shouldn't matter that, you know, I'm doing my own thing. If I, if I ever make a mistake, like you learn from it and that's fine. We're all just humans. Like I'm not better, wiser, smarter than anyone or anyone who's watching me. Like we all make mistakes. So theoretically, I know that, but in sensation, it still brings me, it, well, it was bringing me anxiety. And then I think it like passed after a day or two, but it's interesting to see these thoughts and really observe them and you don't have distractions. So if you're thinking about something, like you're thinking about it, you're sitting with your thoughts, but then you also get to process them really quickly, which was cool instead of like holding onto them, repressing them, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, well, one of the main things that they teach you through the meditation is learning to be detached. And in a way it's not, desiring something and also not being adverse to it so you're not like chasing your the sensation or like a high that you get or just the feeling of happiness you're not I think in the past I've probably always wanted to be like oh I want to be happy I want to feel good even as a society we're kind of adverse to feelings of depression and anxiety now like it's great that we're becoming more aware of mental health but we're also kind of in a way starting to get a bit afraid of these sensations or like, oh, this is really bad. Like you need to go to therapy, blah, blah. I mean, no, therapy is very valuable. Don't take me, don't take it the wrong way. But we get a little bit, or I, at least I've gotten a bit scared of going through your lows, you know, like we all go through seasons of highs and lows and sometimes you start dreading the lows. Like I think when I was in Paris, I was getting feelings of anxiety and I started getting anxious about my anxiety, which only like multiplied how I felt. Um, and instead, it's like, 
you need to be detached from aversion like just don't be so obsessed with not wanting something or avoiding something and that was one of the biggest takeaways for me because I think I didn't have any issues day two day six I was eating well the food was vegan or sometimes there's also vegetarian like cheese or milk on the side as well but the food was amazing so nourishing like I definitely want to go back and be a volunteer in the kitchen but that's for anyways don't want to get sidetracked again Um, (laughs) and yeah I really enjoyed it and I think for me it was only my seven and eighth day or maybe eight and nine that I started having a harder time because as I said on my fourth day when I learned the full Vipassana technique I felt it so intensely and I never felt it as intensely afterwards and the first couple days I've been progressing progressing learning a new step and suddenly I kind of like declined a little bit and then plateaued and that was a big challenge for me because usually you know in school growing up you're like oh I want to get better and better and better and even with work or with YouTube you can have the same mindset of you know wanting more or even people with belongings I want more cars I want more money I want more this or that and yeah, it was interesting observing myself through this plateau because some meditation sessions were, you know, you felt better than others. You know, if you have a really tingly sensation or if you did really well, you start feeling proud and you can start getting attached to this positive sensation. Like you desire this positive sensation. So when you don't get it, oh, well, you're going to be feeling a bit down. So I kind of had to teach myself how to or you learn. The lectures do really talk about it, how to not be so fiending after positive emotions or basically dopamine hits, essentially. Yeah, in the last days, I think there were once or twice where I'd come out of meditation session that maybe wasn't as good. And I just felt a sensation of kind of sadness, like because you're not talking, you're really not distracted. When these emotions start arising, you kind of feel them at a seed level or a sprout level instead of treating your anxiety when it's grown into a full-blown tree and you're like, oh my god, you're having anxiety attacks or you're just feeling depressed so intensely that you like, oh my god, I need to go to a therapist, I need to go to a professional now because it's just like grown into something so huge. The interesting thing at the meditation place was just you start noticing it coming in in a very subtle, small way, sprouting, and then you kind of just have to watch it. Like, it, I started feeling sad after my meal, and I was like, why, why am I sad? Like, I started feeling a bit sad about being sad, and then you know, the discourse lectures start coming to your mind and you like start hearing going because voice like remain equanimous, remain balanced. So I just like went out, sat on a bench, kind of just like stared at my feet and like he's like, you know, observe the emotion and let it pass. And I mean, these aren't like crazy unknown principles. We've all heard it before, but practicing it is a whole different story so I'm just like staring at my feet I'm like telling myself it's gonna pass it's gonna pass just chill breathe and I don't know it might have been like 15-20 minutes sitting on this bench and it did pass the feeling of sadness just kind of eventually went away kind of like a gray cloud in the sky like 
The sky is always there, is always blue. Sometimes you have beautiful white fluffy clouds and sometimes it's a gray rainy cloud that comes by, but you just know it passes. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons is impermanence. Nothing stays forever, not even the pretty fluffy clouds and not the sad gray clouds either. And that's just like the beauty of life. Um, And we can't be too attached to sunny days. Like so many of us were like, oh, we love sunny days on sunny days. I feel productive. I feel happy. I feel this. And then when a cloudy, sad day comes, you're like, oh, you know, I feel so sad. I feel mm, low. And you like you att- you get so attached to the highs and so adverse to the lows, you really become imbalanced. And I think one example he had was with seasons, like seasonal depression you know, like summer, spring, so nice. And once it gets to winter, you get so sad about it because you've so detached to the feeling of summer because we're all like, oh my God, love summer. And winter rolls around and then you're like, oh, this sucks. But it's just a part of nature. It's just a cycle and it's so beautiful. It's like the time for the trees to rest and we all need rest. But yeah, so the last two days, I think that came up for me the second time it might have been the eighth day ninth ninth day probably was eight and nine and yeah same thing happened felt quite a bit of sadness or maybe disappointment because it's interesting I thought I'd have a more intense emotional experience like I said before I thought I was gonna be crying I thought so much was gonna come up and not that much came up I mean some things did which was good I also one thing came up with a friend that I was like we had a call maybe a few weeks before I went and I felt like I was a bit reactive to something she was saying I was like no you know you don't owe this person anything like she's talking about her partner and I was like wait I wish I was more compassionate and I wish I didn't like give so much of my two cents because it's her experience and I just wish I was more supportive instead of being like no you don't need to do that much like she was being compassionate she wanted to do what she wanted to do and I should have just been like supportive of that so that did come into my mind and I I've been meaning to leave her a voice note to just I don't know I just want to apologize for that like it's nothing huge but it's like a subtlety that you realize that you're like hey I didn't behave in the most kind and compassionate loving way as I should have and I think that's one of the beauties of this course was they preach like one enlightenment of the mind. Well, they don't preach it, but that's kind of the ba- the principles, the main three principles, wisdom, purity, and love. And I'm like, whoa, that's kind of the basis of all religions. And even if you're not religious, like how can you contest these basic principles? And it was so wonderful to be taught in a way that was filled with love and compassion and just love for other people like that was so beautiful and one of the things that I noticed that was a big thing before going into this meditation I'd actually been doing shadow work and one of the prompts was like find f- up to five people in your life could be partner family friends co-workers that you're close with and ask them what are traits of yourself that you think could be self-sabotaging or that annoy them and I asked my mom I asked someone I work with and I also asked Andrew and he gave me the best response like he really wrote a freaking essay I mean he's he studied communication so he's really good at putting his thoughts together and one of the things he was like yeah you're really I'm really sensitive and my mom has also told me like you know Leah you need to grow a thick skin because 
I don't know, I'll feel really sad or bothered by certain things. Like, if a friend was maybe unhappy with the way I'd behave, like, I would just literally question myself. I'd be like, oh my god, am I a good person? Like, am I a bad person? Like, what? Blah, blah, blah. Or even, like, comments on YouTube. If someone's like, I don't care if someone's like, oh, you're ugly. Like, I'm not not raised in a way that I'm attached to how I look. But I think when someone questions my integrity or as a person, that does make me question myself because I do value myself or I do want to be a good person like that's a value like to live by but I guess everyone's perspective of that is different so it's like quite impossible to be objectively a good person um or subjectively anyways um yeah so I've been told a lot that I need to grow thick skin and I was like, what? That, but that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't know if I want to grow thick skin. Because thick skin just seems like you... No, nothing offends you. You're just more tough. But I'm like, I think being an emotional and sensitive and empathetic person is also such a strength. And it wasn't until this meditation that I realized, like, I don't need to grow thick skin. I need to grow more compassionate and loving skin. Like, when someone hurts me or says something mean to me like just being loving thinking about it in a compassionate way like people don't hurt others for no reason you know like if someone's been treated poorly they treat others poorly so to be compassionate and just be like you know like I feel bad that this person didn't have the love that they should have deserved or been experienced in order to love people and be non-judgmental towards others and thinking about things in that way feels so much more peaceful than quote-unquote what I imagine growing a thick skin just being like whatever fuck that person I don't care because at the end of the day I do care and I'd I kind of observed things like that happen throughout this meditation like all the changes that I experienced were very tiny like bitty little things that really added up for example i think one of the first days trying to go to bed our bedtime is like 9 30 lights off because you gotta wake up at 4 30 4 i mean 4 rings the bell first meditation starts at 4 30 so you like you want to sleep you know and i remember one person was just like pacing one person stomped really hard across the room like I felt like my bed was shaking when she walked by and one person wasn't turning off their lights just kept moving around till maybe like 10 30 and I was getting so frustrated I'm a very light sleeper and like sounds conversations will make me feel quite irritated because I'm like I want pure silence but then I was like the more I wanted silence the more I felt frustrated with these people but I was like okay how can I think about this reframe my thought and just think about it in a compassionate way and I was like okay this person could be having their lights on they could be you know moving about crumpling moving because they're anxious like this is a totally new experience they could just be having a hard time falling asleep and just developing that compassion empathy for someone really makes all of your irritability or anger go away and then to the girl who just stomped so much, I just started nicknaming her my little elephant. I was like, you know, she's sweet. I talked to her beforehand. She's like a singer, a songwriter, I think someone who's very active. And she spent time, you know, doing meditations and stuff before. She's dressed very like 
hippie style she like brought her own bowl it was really cute but i was just like you know you just share love for this person and kind of see their traits in this endearing way it's funny too it's like when you like someone all their quirks can be so lovable but then when you're annoyed with someone you don't like someone all their quirks are just even more annoying so it's just like learning how to just love the people around you that was really special and um, when we meditate in the hall we're all kind of like in rows and the person beside me was sniffling like she was like fully blowing her nose like when you're observing your breath it's silent but you could hear her because her shoes congested like like imagine that for like an hour or like two and a half hour sessions i was going crazy like in the beginning my mind wandered so much and then i was like how can i how can i concentrate while this person's like breathing so hard around me and i was like okay i have to reframe my way of thinking to like i started thinking about the ways i could speak to the course manager i was like how can i tell the course manager that i want to move or just this person's being really disruptive without being a bitch about it and then i was like wait like the more i thought about that the more frustrated i got and i was like i don't like why am i thinking like this like leah reframe your thinking and the week before or no two weeks before i had been sick i had tonsillitis um a couple of the people in the family staying with had gotten covid so we were all just self-isolating and it's not nice being sick you know and you just i'm like hey like this girl she's sniffling like this isn't easy for her being at the silent meditation sick like she probably wants to be well and you just start developing love and compassion towards them you're like hey i hope this meditation helps clear your sinuses you know i hope you feel better and then you just stop focusing on these sounds and then you can also just be more calm within yourself and I was just able to meditate again. So very magical experience and I did say before in the beginning I, it was so hard to concentrate but as the days progress you do start noticing yourself getting better at it which is really satisfying and then on days where you, a session where you weren't that good at it, you just take it as an opportunity to remain equanimous, like remain balanced and not learn how to not feel down when you're performing in a way that's not as good as last time or something, you know? Like the main takeaway from the meditation, he's saying like the meditation session, it's not measured. Your success is not measured by how well you did, whether you felt sensation through your body whether you felt no sensation whether you felt pain it doesn't matter like the measure of success is based off of how equanimous you were like how balanced i think the word equanimity i just think of it as equal like how unfazed unbothered you were that's the level of success i thought that was so beautiful and in the later days they did um add in aratana which is called strong determination and you basically just sit for an hour you're not meant to move for this full hour and it happens about three times a day obviously you can move if you're feeling a lot of pain you do want to stretch and move and you know you're just learning to not beat yourself up when you don't do as well as you sh you feel like you should you know if you move four times try moving three next time and if you can't that's also fine so you really learn to just be kind and gentle to yourself and then the best part at the end the last day so on the 10th day after lunch 
or after our yeah morning meditation the silence broke and we could start talking to everyone and oh my god that was a whole another experience such a high in the first couple days you're so zen or you're just or I was I think I went in with a pretty balanced mindset already because I had been sick the week before and I was just when you're sick the best thing you can do is stay calm because you don't want to stress out your nervous systems anymore so I think I had learned to be in a really calm peaceful state already going in so yeah I was pretty much zen the whole time throughout and then the end was just insane when everyone started talking again it's cool because you're around all these people you're experiencing this insane thing with them meditating being silent being unconnected for the full these 10 days you kind of like get to I don't know you feel a special bond with everyone even without talking and it's interesting because when you don't speak to someone you don't hear their voice you do start having some preconceived notions of maybe what they're like and then once you start talking to them you're like oh my god it all disintegrates like one thing I noticed was like, oh, some girls, I just thought, I was like, oh my god, they kind of intimidated me. But then once you start talking, you're like, wait, like, they're awesome. They're so sweet. They're so kind. And it just shows how judgmental we can be or just not, or preconceived notions we may have. And there were women of all different ages. Youngest was 19. She's such a sweet one. Um, she... does dance she like grew up in different parts of the world and she's starting university in harvard this september which is crazy like just the people you have no idea who they are another girl who shared my room with me she just finished medical studies at cambridge and we were talking about like oh what do you do i was like oh i make youtube videos she's like oh my boyfriend makes youtube videos as well i was like oh who's he and he's like oh ali abdul and i was like oh he's a huge youtuber and it's just like so funny that I was like oh I know of this person and I've spent the past like 10 days living with his girlfriend and yeah it's just so it's so funny it's so interesting she's so sweet Izzy she makes videos as well and um yeah it was really really cool to start talking getting to know everyone what everyone's professions were like literally when the silence broke I felt like I was high like all the voices all the laughter you start hearing from people around you like you feel the vibrations in your eardrums and then at the same time it feels surreal you feel like you're in a dream but then you also feel so much love for everyone everyone's so happy to be able to speak you kind of feel like you're on molly it was just such an incredible experience so many times of my meditation i'd be like this feels like shrooms this feels like this type of drug or like people take all these drugs to get this heightened sense of motion people take shrooms have these like breakthroughs or feel more like themselves and then there's this freaking meditation technique that just involves literal breathing you need nothing and you bring yourself to these heightened senses of awareness which is incredible to me which is why i've still been meditating doing vipassana at least an hour a day which i've been keeping up insane i'm not a consistent person but i knew i when i was there i was like i will continue this when people asked me like oh, are you gonna keep doing it? i was like absolutely I know I have to say I will because if I say I want to, it's not the same. It's not the same thing, you know, so. But it was really funny talking to people. Renata, for example, she was like, on day two, I wanted to leave. I was thinking about, you know, how getting a taxi to get out or whatever. And I was like, what, really? I thought this place was so nice. Such a vacation. We were eating delicious vegan food. I was like, what? I never wanted to leave. 
But I did actually see people leaving. I think there were about three women who had left on this side, one of which was the yoga teacher I'd met in the beginning, who's 55, a mom. She'd been teaching yoga. And I was like, that's crazy. Like some people, you see them and they look like someone who would go to a meditation retreat, like I guess hippie title is a loose way of framing it, giving you visualization, and then they would leave. Like, people who you think would make it through, leave. And I'm like, that's just crazy. Like, you see people, you can't talk. Everyone looks peaceful. Everyone looks like they're having a, like, doing it better than you. And then once you start talking, they're like, oh my god, it was struggle so hard. Izzy had, like, I think she, like, broke down, like, the first night. She just had, like, such a panic attack, and she was crying. She went to one of the course managers in the middle of the night who just, like, calmed her down, spoke to her, and she was totally fine after that. She's, like, the most smiley human being. Um, And, (laughs) yeah, it's just, like, such a, a comparison to real life. Like, that's what I mean by it feels like an incubated situation because there's so many things that happen in this meditation retreat that are just like small examples of things in real life where you know maybe it's social media scrolling through you think everyone's living a better life than you but you don't see the reality of what they go through or what they're struggling with or what it might look like behind the scenes taking this really beautiful photo but behind the scene there's like a row of people all trying to take that same tourist photo or maybe there's like the boyfriend that they're yelling at to like get better angles like you know just reality is so different from our perception and the other thing I'm really grateful for is just being around women of all different ages on the men's side too you see people who are really young and then you see people like in their 80s in the meditation hall like some people are sitting on chairs as well because you know you might have some issues with your body or whatever but there's lots of cushions and pillows for people to readjust I mean for me the most comfortable thing was not having any cushions so it's just like on the mat um but it was so beautiful being around people of all different ages seeing women uh, in their 20s in their 30s 40s 50s 80s all just there to work on themselves and living amongst women oh it felt amazing it felt amazing not to have the male gaze I mean, we all have internalized male gaze in a way too, but not having men around was really cool. I mean, at the end when we broke silence, there were communal areas like the dining hall and the grassy area where um, women and men could also talk and get to know each other as well. Or some went as friends, some went with family, so you could talk to them. We got to talk to Durba, our ride chair, driver. And yeah, it was really sweet. I was, I was thinking, well looking through the hall I was like he's the most loved man on that side because he has like four women that he's driven that all the way here who like know so much about him and we yeah it was just so sweet um and it was cool to make friends with women who were older as well Pam she's like a single mom and just talking to her experience of raising her kids in this like with her more traditional Indian mindset she I mean she'd been through two marriages and arranged marriage as well so it was insane listening to her story and her coming into you know living alone now like this very different life like it made me also see things from my mom's perspective as well so it was really interesting and um yeah it was just so sweet making friends with women of all different ages sharing our contacts 
you know, like, oh, come visit me here, come visit me there. So I'm really down to go see them. They're, ah, love, 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 love. You really do get to make friends on the silent retreat at the very end. And it was so beautiful. Someone was like a shaman, a spiritual coach. Um, I mean, there are people who are really just accountants, doctors, physicists, painters, one girl um, from Brooklyn who's about to go study herbalism. I was like showing her this one tree that smelled amazing. It was just so cool. People from all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities, religions, all coming together. Beautiful. Anywho, uh, there's one girl that really want to go visit in Brighton, another one in Bristol. But yeah, it was interesting too, speaking to Durba afterwards, because he was on the men's side, he's telling me about him observing the men. Like, it's funny, we see them when we're about to enter the hall, and the women are always like, we're always stretching on the outside, we're like trying to do downward dog, you're technically not supposed to be doing yoga because they don't have the facilities, but like, when you're sitting all day, like, you need to stretch. So we're stretching, we're like stretching against the tree, stretching against the benches, and then the men are just like... (laughs) blocks they're like logs they're just standing sitting like barely stretching so inanimate and then Durba was saying like day six you start noticing he started noticing his roommate Ivan because oh yeah so if you're older you get better not a better facility but you dorm with less people so if you're in your like 30s you share a room with one other person if you're in your like 40s 50s or if you're a returning student you get your single room so Durba had roommate and he was like noticing guys like moving insects off of paths or just stopping and smelling the flowers and he was like it was so beautiful to see men doing these things that you usually don't see and I thought it was quite interesting because I was like oh on the women's side we were doing that from day one like I saw a little frog on the path I was like moving him off the path and then sniffing I was sniffing everything So it was cool to see the difference and also just, I guess, the way men are just conditioned by society to be so much less in tune with their senses, how beautiful it is that this meditation retreat allows them to become more in tune. And even with Durba, like, him coming out of it, like, going in, I think he already had a very soft energy um, and kind of, kind of remind me of my dad, actually, who's also, like, a very chill, soft Scorpio. We all shared our, like, zodiac signs at the, our astrology signs at the end, which is kind of fun to entertain or see if there's any connections. Um, and, yeah, Dorba came out and he was, like, hugging all of us. He, very sweet. I think just really feeling like he could just act on his own actions because I think we were talking about you know passion and desire and you know when you meet people or if you see an attractive person like it's kind of we're kind of conditioned to like pursue them or like desire them in a way especially with like hookup culture kind of glorifying this like dating or like chase of people and you kind of learn to also detach from those feelings or just observe them. I think I really struggled with this because I was like, oh, I'm on my year of celibacy. I don't even want to be attracted to anyone. But then, like, in Berlin, I met someone who I thought was, like, really attractive and such a vibe, and they were kind of, like, flirting with me, but I was just like, no, this isn't flirting. I was, like, denying everything so hard. Yeah, I realized I was just being so adverse to it. And because I was creating this aversion, my mind was like, 
kept thinking about this person to a point where I like even dreamed about them. And if I had just acknowledged like this person, I find them really attractive, but you know, it doesn't have to progress beyond anything. If you just kind of come to terms with that, that's so nice. And you're just way more at peace. And it's funny because I think I remember I've had conversations with guy friends who are like, oh, I would feel nervous if I'm around pretty girls or someone I think is attractive. But if we're just taught to like observe and like accept like, oh, I find them attractive and then be at peace with that. Like what a nice world we live in. Like you just if things happen, they happen naturally. There's no need to chase or rush. And that was just another lovely realization anywho we all kind of just like drove back together oh we did clean up a bit afterwards they had some books that you could um buy from their website there's like a donation table Ugh, all the volunteers were so sweet they cooked all these amazing meals for all of us 155 of us half women half men and one of the things that they did teach about was just like egolessness. Like we're in a society that's so about me, 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 me. We don't think about a community. And that really resonated with me because especially with like YouTube, it can be a very like isolating, independent type of work. And I was almost getting disillusioned with like making money because, well, I think after this experience, I was like, I really want to have my own nonprofit. That's what I realized. Yeah, Vipassana is an educational nonprofit. And I love this framework of, people coming without having to you know you don't pay it's not like it's so it's so accessible and open to everyone um the trans woman that I met Ashley she was so nice um she's actually a squatter in Cambridge so she's like an anarchist she doesn't even work and they make food they just prepare meals for people in need they don't question anyone if they need food they deliver them and I was like that's so beautiful like the fact that you can just live with nothing and just dedicate your time to helping others that's so beautiful like I think this 10 days just and meeting all these people just brought back so much humanity sense love for humanity into my life because we've been through so much the pandemic we've seen so much hate crimes we've seen emergence of new wars wars that have been happening for years and you become a bit disillusioned with the world and then just seeing people who are making changes in their small ways, like, oh, I'm put so much love back into my life. And I feel so much more like myself again. In Paris, I felt a lot of anxiety, a lot of self-doubt. And I'd been to Paris twice before. I felt none of those feelings. And you just realize like all these feelings you feel within yourself, you think are caused by your environment or people around you, but they're just feelings that you had inside yourself. And people kind of just spill it out of you like if you get nudged then it triggers what's already inside you so if you work on having love compassion and equanimity peace balance inside of you when someone triggers you it's not going to trigger anger it's not going to trigger fear it's not going to trigger anxiety and I really felt that coming out of it like especially going back if I spent time in London I would notice, like downtown, I would notice that I didn't feel the anxiety that I did before. At one point, we were going on a morning walk with Dana's mom. She's doing like a fundraising walk. So we walked like 10 kilometers and the cemetery we were supposed to walk through was closed. So we walked along the highway and usually, oh my God, walking along a highway would make me feel so, so unnerved. But I noticed when she, her mom was apologizing. She was like, sorry guys that you have to walk through this place. 
And then I was like, wait, I feel nothing. Like I felt the same walking along this highway as I did walking through a trail and walking through a neighborhood. And then that's when I really hit me. Like so many things hit me after the retreat of how much it benefited me because I was like, wait, I do feel equanimous. Like walking in whatever environment now, I feel really the same. And I feel love for random strangers, not like I want to go hug them. I mean, I could, but I just felt like I was able to smile more at people. I never really felt any fear, anxiety. And whenever I did, I could just observe it, take it as it is, and then it would just pass. So yeah, 10 out of 10, amazing experience. I really want to volunteer now. Um, They even have 20-day, 45-day retreats. You do have to go at least 10 times to a 10-day meditation to be able to even go to one of those and the recommendation is to do one of these once a year and I think based off of how much it's impacted me I really do want to do this once a year they have centers all over the world I think they have the most in India probably in Taiwan and Hong Kong all over Europe throughout Canada Um, and I'm probably going to be going on the west coast in October November since my friend's getting married on Vancouver Island I kind of want to travel down the coast I'm 25 now I'm gonna get my driver's full-on driver's license um, when I get back in September so like I'll be able to rent a car for like a pretty decent price which is great because when you rent when you're like under 25 I think it's really expensive for insurance and everything so one beautiful thing of aging like that was really exciting Um, So I might do a little road trip and then I really want to volunteer. I think I've spent so much of my time the past year being really consumed in what my own doing. Like, gotta make sure I'm, I'm posting, I'm doing this, I'm working enough, I'm doing that. Like, I haven't spent enough time just serving other people, like spending hours of my day for someone else, not for me, you know? And that's something that... Uh, is really nice and underrated I used to volunteer a lot in high school but I kind of stopped in university because it got really busy and then but it's only busy if you want it to be busy like you make time for the things that you want and I think that's one big takeaway as well like I've been waking up early these days not at four thank god but like I'll wake up at six I'll volunteer I'll meditate for an hour I'll wake up at seven or eight meditate for an hour before I leave my room and that's the same thing with volunteering like I'm very more than happy to take 10 days away from social media, away from the world, away from my work and go serve. I really want to volunteer in the kitchen. Oh my God, the food was amazing. I was like, one, I want to learn these recipes. And two, I want to nourish people who are coming to prioritize their own health for the sake of other people. Like doing Vipassana, it's not just a benefit to yourself, but a benefit to all the people who are around you. Like it's amazing to be around people who are peaceful, who are compassionate and I want to support people who are doing that not only through financial donations but also with my time so I think maybe in November I'll do I'll volunteer for a 10 day in California since I'm probably going to go down the coast there's like four centers in California the one closest to LA is in Joshua Tree I don't know why I feel very called to go to LA for some reason I think I've been before and I wasn't a fan of it same with London UK I've been before I wasn't crazy about it but this time I came with a different perspective and holy crap I love I think I'd be back I could totally see myself living in the UK um and I think for that same reason I want to go and re-experience California because I didn't really like it when I went before I was like oh San Francisco terrible 
like wealth discrepancy, like seeing just the gap and seeing all these people in tents. But I think this time going with a more compassionate mindset, I think it'll be different. So, and if it's not, that's also fine. Like no expectations, but I do want to volunteer at one of the centers. So I'm kind of saying this now to anyone who is in California and wants to go, because I think it would be really sweet if I went and volunteered at the same time as people who were going for a first time experience. Cause then I could like be in moral support in this silent way. Like you probably won't see me, but I'll be cooking your meal. So I don't know. I thought that'd be a really cute connection. But I'll post about it on my Instagram, Leah's Field Notes, um, when I do do that. And yeah, that's my all of my experience that I really want to share. Thank you so much for listening through. And I'm going to do a proper YouTube video about this experience because I did record some time before and after. And I think I'll write things out a bit better because this is just rambling off the top of my head. I'll share with the proper schedule and everything. But yeah, anywho, I hope you're having a wonderful day. If you're not having a wonderful day, know that's also fine. It passes like everything in life. So don't get too attached to the ups or the downs. Just remain equanimous, remain in that middle, that sweet, sweet balance of contentment that I used to not like. You know, I used to love the highs and the lows until you've been through so many that you're like, I actually just want to chill. And now I am chilling, but you still enjoy joy and happiness and you can still enjoy passion, but without that like itching attachment to it you know desire creates craving which creates clinging that's one of the things that he really talked about but anyways love you all so much and blessings i'm blessed to have you in my life and i'm grateful and i hope that we get to meet one day because i'm very inspired to start my own nonprofit, and i just want it to be somewhere where anyone can come and stay for free donate if you want can help I, oh, I want to grow my own food. Oh my gosh, the place I'm staying at right now with Heidi and her family, incredible. They have their own food forest. They grow so much of their own food. We volunteered on a farm yesterday. Oh my God, I feel really grateful that I get to stay with viewers. Like, this is the best part of YouTube and people are like, what's the best part of your job? I'm like, uh, literally the people that I get to meet and become friends with in real life. So yeah, we need to take this love from online to offline at some point. Anywho, love you guys. I'm going camping this weekend. Peace. Goodbye. Mwah.